Good morning. It's great to be with you. My name is Wade. I'm the pastor for college students here at Parkview. It's my joy and honor to be able to serve Jesus alongside these amazing students. And uh, it's great to be with you celebrating Advent. So Merry Christmas to you, or if you are from the UK, Happy Christmas. And uh, we are in a time of Advent, which is to remind us, right, we are celebrating our Lord's first coming. And uh, God with us, Emmanuel, come to rescue us from our sins. And at the same time, we are awaiting and longing for his second advent, his second coming, um, when he comes and makes all things new and brings to us the new creation. And so that's what we're doing here in Advent. Here at Parkview, we're celebrating a series uh, on the nativity. That's what it's called. So basically what we're trying to do is if we could... Uh, if you had a nativity set, right, some of you probably have uh, your kids, so you have like Lego, you know, nativity sets or wooden figure nativity sets or, I don't know, cloth nativity sets. Anyways, so you, we're taking kind of each figure from that nativity and holding them up and kind of asking them a question and saying, you know, Mary or Joseph or shepherds, what do you teach us about this child? And so we want to learn the gospel from different angles. It's kind of like each of them has a spotlight on Jesus, the child, from different angles. And we want to see from a, in a fresh way, what, what about the gospel do they explain to us? And so last week, Thomas uh, wonderfully reminded us about the character of Mary and how she shows the gospel is the good news of Jesus that comes to unlikely people. God saves unlikely people. And then his salvation comes through unlikely people. And so that's uh, the focus of Luke's birth, birth account as he focuses on Mary. But Matthew focuses on Joseph. And so today we're asking Joseph, Joseph, what do you, what do you tell us about Jesus? What, what is your angle on the gospel? That's, that's why we're calling this the gospel according to Joseph. We'll be in Matthew 1, 18 to 25. And as you're turning there in your, in your Bibles, um, here's kind of the, the flow of our time together. God has a big plan to rescue people from their sins. That's God's big plan. That's what he's doing. That, that, that's his mission statement, okay? Rescue people from their sins through Jesus. The question is, will we take our plans, even though they might be good, will we take our plans and submit them underneath God's plan and live in light of his plan, or will we hold on to our plans, unwilling to allow God's plan of salvation in Jesus to redirect our lives. We make good plans. God has a bigger gospel plan. We must redirect our lives accordingly. So I'm going to read the passage aloud, Matthew 1, 18 to 25, uh, then we'll pray together. So hear now the word of the Lord from the gospel of Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolves to divorce her quietly. But as he's considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, 
the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from, the dream, from his dream, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is God's holy word. It is true and good for us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this Advent season, adoring your son, Jesus. Like the church has always confessed throughout all the ages, we believe in Jesus Christ, your only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. This is a marvelous mystery, and we worship you for it, Father. So please send your spirit right now to help us. Help us see scripture. Help us, help us encounter Christ through his word. Help us look at Matthew 1, 18 to 25, and really see what's going on here. Help us see your big plan, Lord, and our lives underneath that big plan. Help us walk with Joseph as he shines a spotlight on Christ. Help us believe all that you teach. Gladly obey all that you command. Trust all that you promise, and love all that you love for the sake of Jesus. Amen. So what is your favorite Christmas movie? What is it? I, my throat's a little dry, so I'm going to be drinking water a little bit this, this time. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Well, let me, uh, let me tell you a, fr- a few that m- maybe, maybe some of these are your favorite Christmas movies. You ready? Here we go. A Very Merry Mix-Up. It's the one about the woman who's engaged to her fiancé but ends up falling for her fiancé's brother. Is that it? Is that yours? No? Okay. Second one, Crown for Christmas. Anyone here? Is that your favorite Christmas movie? The Hotel Maid Who Becomes a Princess Through Surprising Circumstances. Right? Crown for Christmas. No? Okay. Okay. Here we go. Third one. What about the Christmas ornament? All right. It's a cute, wonderful, lovely story about the woman who falls in love with her Christmas tree salesman. Is that anyone here? No. None of these are your favorite movies. You know why? Because these are Hallmark Christmas movies, people. Now, if one of these was your favorite movie, no, we bless you. We, no, you're, you're welcome here. But most likely, no one here had those as their favorite Christmas movie. Now, we love, hate Hallmark movies. I think the reason, actually, we enjoy them, uh, but we won't admit it, is because they have a pretty predictable, predictable plot. Uh, Claire was recently reading a uh, blog post about uh, Hallmark movies and the predictable plot basically looks like this. There's a random guy and a random girl. They meet. They build a romance. Then something seeks to destroy that romance but then they kind of break through the wall so to speak. They fall in love happily ever after. So I just saved you 25 hours of Christmas uh, movie watching. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, that's, uh, that's not my favorite Christmas movie. My favorite Christmas movie, maybe some of you show this one, is A Christmas Carol, right? The uh, story from Charles Dickens. The reason I love this story uh, is, is kind of like the Hallmark Christmas movies. It, it follows a predictable pattern, or follows a pattern I think that many of us resonate deeply with. It's about an old, miserly, angry, greedy man named Scrooge who makes a plan for his life. And his plan is to accumulate wealth and decrease the surplus population. That's his plan, okay? But then he has this revelation, from plan to revelation, on Christmas Eve, that redirects his life. So three spirits visit him and uh, show him a, a better plan, a better way to live, urging Scrooge, Scrooge to choose a better path. And then finally, the third kind of flow of the movie is there's a new direction. 
a new direction based on this revelation. So he starts with his own plan. He has this revelation and there's a new direction and he lives an entirely new life, a, a, a life full of joy and generosity and kindness towards everyone in London. That is, that's, that's the flow of the story. And actually, this, this pattern is the very same pattern that we find in this story with Joseph in Matthew 1, 18 to 25. It's, it follows these three movements of direction, we make plans, then revelation, God shows us his gospel plan, and then a new direction, we play our role in light of God's, God's big plan. So you want to write that down. That's kind of the flow of where we're going. Those are kind of, this, those kind of set up the scenes, the three scenes of this passage. We have direction, the making of plans. We have revelation, God showing us his gospel plan. And then we've, we have a new direction, how we ought to live in light of God's big plan. So here's a question that we're going to ask and seek to answer in our text this morning. Are we willing to let our good plans be redirected in light of God's big gospel plan? Are we willing to allow our plans, even if they're good, to be redirected in line with God's gospel plan? This text is going to help us answer this. Let's look at verse 18 to begin with. Scene one, direction, plans, plans are made. Verse 18 says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ, the origin of Jesus Christ, took place in this way. His mother, Mary, is betrothed to a man named Joseph. Yet before they come together, before they consummate their marriage, she is found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, if I took out the phrase from the Holy Spirit and it ended up she was found to be with child, this scene begins with some serious, intense scandal in drama. Way more drama than your typical Hallmark Christmas movie, okay? Mary's pregnant, and the child is not Joseph's. And so here we have this cultural understanding of what a betrothal is, okay? Betrothal is kind of like an engagement on steroids in the first century, okay? Betrothment was a stage. Uh, you actually were engaged, and then you got betrothed, and then you got married. And so they're in the betrothment stage, just before marriage, and it was absolutely binding on the couple. And the only way to get out of this betrothal, this relationship, is through divorce. And the only way you divorce is if your partner was sexually unfaithful to you. So here we have Mary, and she is pregnant. And the child is not Joseph's. So what does Joseph do? Joseph makes a plan. He sets a direction. And the plan is this. Verse 19, look down with me. Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolves to divorce her quietly. In light of the recent dilemma with Mary's pregnancy, Joseph makes a plan to call off the betrothment, to divorce. He sets a direction. He makes this plan. And Joseph's plan is good. It's a good plan. It's a good plan. How do I know this? Well, we see two things about Joseph. One, he's a faithful Jewish man who wants to honor God, which means not marrying Mary because she has been sexually unfaithful both to him and to God. And so he wants to be honoring to God, right? He's a just man, the text says. But verse 19 also says what? But, but also, what else does it say? Look down at verse 19 again. Uh, unwilling to put her to shame. So he has this, this love and so this tender affection and compassion and mercy on Mary. And so, what is his plan? His plan is to divorce her, to remain honorable before the Lord, but also to, to do so, what? Quietly. 
so that she's not put to shame. It's an act both of honor and of mercy. So Joseph makes a good plan. And from his vantage point, from what he can perceive, he chooses the best plan he could think of in light of the presenting circumstances. And that's what we have to do too, right? We have to make plans in our lives. And, and, and like Joseph, oftentimes we have to make a plan, so to speak, if this was a curtain, okay? We, we don't get to see behind the curtain, okay? Yeah, uh, Mary's saying, hey, Joseph, you know, sit down for this one. I'm pregnant, okay? But it's from the Holy Spirit. Well, well, Joseph doesn't really know that nor believe. I mean, who, whoever gets pregnant, what are you talking about, Mary? So he, he hasn't seen beyond the screen, so to speak, and what God has been doing behind the scenes. And so he has to make a decision in light of the circumstances presented before him. And that, that's what we do, right? We make plans. We want a certain way our Christmas to, to look. We make plans for our kids, which schools to go to or which schools not to go to, what sports they should play, what Plans for our careers, for advancing and climbing up the ladder of success. Good plans. Wonderful plans. We have plans for retirement. Good plans. We make plans, don't we? We're good at making plans, and we make, make good plans. But here's the question that this story is about to ask us. Are we willing to let our good plans be redirected by God's gospel plan? You see, I get lost easily. And so I used to use this thing called Apple Maps. I don't know. Does anyone still use Apple Maps? I'm sorry if you do, okay, because Apple Maps is terrible, okay? Apple Maps, when I used to use it, I'd be driving along, and it would say, Siri would tell me, thanks, Siri, please turn left, and I would take a left. Guess what I should have done? Taken a right. Apple Maps never works well for me. And so you know what I use? I use Google Maps, okay? Google Maps is much more trustworthy. It gets me there on time, and it chooses a better path for me, okay? And the story's about the shift, and God is about to exchange Joseph Apple Maps. That's what he's been functioning on, okay, is the Apple Maps. And God's about to give him little Google Maps, okay, and to lead him towards a better path. Look down with me at verse 20. This is the scene of revelation where God reveals his, his plan and redirects Joseph's life. But as he was considering these things, verse 20, considering things about Mary and her pregnancy and and, and, and he's considered, oh, it looks like it's going to be divorce. He's planning these things, but behold, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. And you, Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In this scene, we see that God reveals the bigger and better gospel plan. And he wants Joseph to be a part of this plan. He wants Joseph to disregard his original plan and to have his life redirected in light of God's gospel plan. It's very exciting. I just want to look down this passage again. Look down. The uh, first thing that the angel says, right? Joseph, son of David. You and I, we might skip right over that, right? Joseph, son of David, okay, keep moving, keep moving on, you know. Random fact. Who really cares? Well, we should care. Because here's what, here's what uh, Matthew is doing. If you look up with me real quick to verse 17, okay? Verse 17, Matthew does something amazing. In, in three names, three names, he summarizes the whole Old Testament story, okay? He says Abraham, right? And then to, who's next? David, and then to deportation to Babylon, to exile 
in Babylon. Abraham, David, and deportation to Babylon. And what, what Matthew's trying to do here is this. He's trying to show there is a story of an offspring. God went to a man named Abraham and said, Abraham, through your offspring, I'm going to bless the world. Okay, this world has turned very messy because humans thought it was a good idea to reject my loving authority and choose to live lives for themselves. And there in, in, in Genesis, we see this unfolding spiral of sin. And God says, no, you know what? It's going to happen, Abraham, through your offspring. I'm going to bring blessing. I'm going to restore this good earth and people. To and then you keep reading and you're wondering, where is this offspring? What, 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 who is he talking about? Well, then God comes to a man named David. David is what? He's a king, right? And to David, he says, David, I promise to you, through your offspring, I'm going to establish this eternal kingdom. And through this eternal kingdom, there will be justice and peace for God's people. But sadly, God's people continue to rebel and turn away from him, and so they are deported to Babylon. They are exiled in Babylon, cut off from God's presence in God's land. But you know what happens in exile? There is a promise to God's people, a continual promise that there is a coming person who's going to be an offspring from David's line, and he will come, this promised one, this anointed one, this Messiah will come to rescue God's people from their sins. And then what's the fourth name that he names in verse 17? He says Christ. Now why, why do I say all this? I say this because God, in this scene in Joseph's life, in this dream as the angel of the Lord, who is a messenger of the Lord, speaking the very words of God to Joseph, what's happening is God is like a director, giving Joseph a new role based on a new script. He had been functioning in his life, heading down a path, making a plan towards divorce. But God now is basically yanking that script out of his hand and saying, no, there's a new script. There's a bigger story being written, Joseph, and I want you to be a part of it. What do I mean? Well, do you see why Joseph is so significant? See, Jesus will be born from Mary, but guess what? Mary is not part of David's family. And so the coming king must be from David's family. So there's this tension here. Where, how is this going to be happening? Because Jesus from Mary is not automatically in David's line. You know how? It's because there is someone from David's family. Who is it? It's Joseph, son of David. So by taking Mary as his wife, the Lord commands, it's an act of marriage, but by then naming his baby son, Jesus, that's an act of adoption. And what he's doing is that Joseph is playing a role in God's bigger gospel plan to graft Jesus into the line of David so Jesus can be the fulfillment of God coming to rescue his people. But not only that, right? Verse, uh, verse 22, right? There's, a, there's kind of a narrative aside that Matthew writes. And we see that through Jesus, God comes to rescue his people as a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, okay? It's like a narrator's, narrator's hyperlink, okay? Look at verse 22. All this in Joseph's life took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And then he's going to quote an Old Testament passage, okay? And when you're reading the Bible in the New Testament, and when the New Testament quotes an Old Testament passage, you have to think of it as like a hyperlink, right? You guys get links in your emails. Your friend says, oh, check out this hilarious, like, you know, video about, like, these puppies running around snow. And then, you know, there's like a link, right? The, the video doesn't play on your email. You have to, what, click the link, and that link goes then to a different window, okay? That's what you have to do. As we read this, what's happening as readers, we have to see that God's story is continuing. We have to look at this different window that God is presenting, this, this, this promise of behold, 
The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. This is a promise given to God's people thousands of years before Jesus. And God, throughout the ages, is continuing to be faithful to this story, to this plan that he is going to rescue his people from their sins. And he's going to come and be God with them, Emmanuel. What, what am I getting at? I'm getting at this, right? What is happening in Joseph's life? He had a plan, but it's being redirected. How? Through a revelation of God's bigger plan, that God is writing this massive story in history of coming into the world to rescue people from sin. And guess who gets to play a role in that? Joseph, son of David, who will adopt Jesus so that Jesus is part of the line of David to be the promised king to bring redemption. Why does this matter? Well, because this is how God acts in our life. Sure, we are not like Joseph, okay? Pretty sure none of you are going to have a dream from an angel telling you to adopt Jesus. That was Joseph's unique task. But there's a pattern here, and it is this. It is God is in the business of little lives fit into and under his big mega story of redemption and salvation through Jesus. Many of us, right, have roles to play. Joseph's role was unique to him, but we all have roles to play in light of this story. Some of us are mothers and fathers. Some of us are spouses. Some of us are school teachers and lawyers, social workers and students. And what this text is showing, this story is showing that God acts in the midst of his people, showing them how they in their ordinary lives can live lives of faithfulness according to God's plan, something bigger than what they're normally going about and doing. So you're going to work on Monday. What does it look like in light of this plan that God is bringing salvation through Jesus? How does that, how does that shape the way that you interact with your coworkers? Those of you who are students going to class, preparing for a vocation, what could it look like for you in classes as you study to study hard and to learn everything you can so that you can be the best lawyer or the best social worker or the best psychologist or whatever it is? Because you know that as you participate in your vocation faithfully, you are making demonstration and witness to God and to his kingdom in Jesus who has come to bring salvation from sin. Those of us who are at home on Wednesdays, with our neighbors on Thursdays, whatever it is through the week, do you see your ordinary everyday life is being caught up in this larger story that God is writing in history through Jesus to rescue people from their sins. And so your interaction with your neighbor is not just small talk, is it? It becomes become something much more profound. It could be a means by which you could talk to them about Jesus. You ever heard of Jesus? He takes away your sins. This is what God does in the lives of his people. We make plans, but then as he shows us his bigger plan, we have to submit and redirect our lives in accordance with his plan. We have to look at our roles that we play and how they can be shaped in a way that points to this great story of salvation in Jesus. And so that's exactly what Joseph does. He has a new direction. Scene three, look down at verse 24. Joseph wakes up, and as he re receives this kind of new script from God, the director, God says, action. And look at verse 24. Joseph does exactly as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He takes his wife, but knows her not until she has given birth to a son. And he calls his name 
Jesus. Joseph does everything the Lord commands him. Joseph sees God's bigger plan and he redirects his life accordingly. So in summary, we see in Matthew 1, 18 to 25, this passage of scripture is in the Bible to convince us and encourage us in two things. One, Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit. He is divine. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. But also, Jesus is adopted into, God's, into David's family line, so he's the king who comes with salvation. And, and all of this happens through who? Through an ordinary man named Joseph, who actively obeys the Lord as the bigger stories revealed to him. Parkview, we too can be redirected from our original plans to be part of God's bigger gospel plan. I love working with college students because this is a story I see often. College students at the University of Iowa come with plans. They want to graduate in four years, maybe meet their spouse, then go to graduate school, and then work a good, good plans. Not bad plans, good plans. But you know what? Oftentimes, they want to do all those things without God, without Christ at the center. What's so exciting to see is when our students catch a big vision of Jesus. When God reveals himself to them, when God reveals his plan to them, they shift, right? Their lives redirect. So maybe they're going to continue down the path of going into med school, but now their whole thought of being a doctor is now transformed because I want to be a doctor in a way that brings honor and glory to Jesus, the one who is at work in the world, rescuing people from their sins. It's a story that we see commonly. It's a story that we've seen here at Parkview. It's a story that probably many of us have. We had plans for our lives, good plans. But then we saw a vision, a wonderful revelation of God through his word of what God is doing in history through Jesus. And our lives are redirected towards a different path, part of a different story. So this is the gospel according to Joseph. It's the good news that God can redirect us from human-made plans to actually living out our roles in a way in our lives that point to his bigger and better plan. And so, two applications. One, how does it shape life here at Parkview? First, if, if, if you're here and you are not currently following Jesus, the offer to you is very simple. It's to turn away from living your life uh, with your own plans, with you at the center, and to flip the script and to receive a new script from God with Christ at the center. Look down at verse 21. What does it say? It says, his name is Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What does Jesus do? He takes people from enslavement, from enslavement to thoughts, from enslavement to attitudes of the heart, from enslavements to behaviors that damage us, damage, damage others in our lives, and are displeasing to God, sin, enslavement to sin. God takes people from enslavement to what? To eradication. He takes all of your sins away. Jesus saves his people from their sins, plural, not one of your sins, but all of them, past, present, and future. This is, this is the good news of Jesus, that he takes all of your sins away from you. All of those thoughts that haunt you when you first wake up in the morning, right? Those mistakes you've made in your past, Jesus wants to take those away from you. He has come to rescue his people from sin. So have you come to Christ? Have you traded your plans for the gospel plan of Jesus. And second, those of us who are following Jesus, we are making plans, right? 
and they are good. We they have plans for our kids. We have plans for our career. We have plans for our time. And I'll just share with you personally what it's looking like for me, okay? On the weekends, I have plans, okay? Two plans usually. Plan number one, drink bubble tea with Claire. Plan number two, keep watching West Wing, okay? Two plans, okay? Eh, not bad plans, pretty good plans, unless you don't like West Wing. Sorry for you, but they're good plans for me, okay? I love bubble tea. But here's the deal, okay? Recently, God, in his plan, has moved into our neighborhood, a few doors down, a wonderful Sudanese family. And now I have to learn on weekends what it's going to take for me as a neighbor to pursue them, to befriend them, to be a part of their kids' lives, to be in their house. Recently, they've come up to Claire and me, and they say they want us to just speak English with them so they can learn it. On the weekends. You know what I want to do on the weekends? I want to drink bubble tea. I want to watch West Wing. That's my plan. But you know what? God has a bigger gospel plan. And it is this. It is that he wants to rescue people from their sin through Jesus. And you know how that gospel plan advances through ordinary people like Joseph, through ordinary people like me, through ordinary ordinary people like you, who are willing to lay aside our original plans and to be a part of God's gospel plan of what he's up to, rescuing people from their sins. And so who knows? I don't know what's going to happen with the Sudanese neighbors and this relationship that we're building. But I wonder at some point, I've been praying, been praying for open doors. As we're teaching them English, we can say, hey, I can tell you about Jesus in English. I don't know what God's doing, but he has a plan. And he wants to redirect me. Friends, we have plans. God shows us his bigger gospel plan. The question is this. Will we redirect our lives like Joseph in light of the good news of Jesus Christ, rescue from sin, to be a part of his gospel plan, of what he's doing in the world to rescue people from their sins? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jesus and this big gospel plan of him rescuing people from their sins, Lord, from enslavement to eradication. You take away eradicate from our lives all sins, all of them. That's what you're all about. And you've called us to be a part of it, like Joseph, to be a part of this bigger plan, to see our small, ordinary lives in light of your big plan, and to adjust our lives accordingly. For some of us, Lord, that's going to mean pretty significant shifts. Some of us, maybe it's just a smaller change this week, or how we spend our time. Or, But Lord, you, you know what these people need from your Holy Spirit through your word. So I just pray that you would uh, accomplish your purposes through your word right now. And Lord, I pray that as a whole church, Lord, we would continue to see that you are up to something so wonderful, a plan so, so much bigger and better than the plans that we can make for our own lives. And that you convince us by your Holy Spirit to, to submit our plans to your bigger plan, Lord, for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.